Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and today we're discussing again the gifts and callings of God. We've had five lessons before. Today we're going to be getting into what are those individual callings we can have, describing them, giving them the names the Word of God does, and then how they can work in your own particular life. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word. Glad to have you here with us today. And the introduction is basically this. We're talking about the fact that, that God has put the gifts of the Spirit and God has given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he's also given us spiritual things. Spiritual things include all the things of this chapter. And then the breakdown of the chapter is this. Verses four through six is the Holy Spirit stands over, operates the, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse five, we have the fact that Jesus Christ is over the 12 offices. And we're gonna talk about about those 12 offices here. There's five pulpit offices and seven body offices, congregational offices. And we'll talk about the difference between those. And then in verse six, that part says, God the Father is over the operations. And that's actually the three divisions of this chapter. What do I mean? Verse four is the Holy Spirit is over the nine gifts. That's found in verses seven through 11. And the breakdown of the individual gifts are given there, how the Holy Spirit operates those. Then the second part of this chapter, which is the bulk of the chapter, is Jesus Christ is over the offices. That's found in verses 12 through 27. That's as far as we got last time. And we're gonna be spending a lot of time now just over the over this days and tomorrow talking about the individual offices in the body of Christ. And so that's verses 12 through 27. Then in verse six, God the Father, is over the operations, how those, those things work together. And that's found in verses 28 through 31. Verse four says, there are differences of gifts, but the same spirit. That's emphasizing verse seven through 11. Verse five, there are differences of ministries or offices, but the same Lord, verses 12 through 27. Verse six, God the Father is over all the operations. That's found in verse 28 through 31. There are differences of operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. So with that breakdown that we have there, we're now coming down to the fact we covered down through verse 27. We talked about the offices of the body of Christ and we found that we compared them to body parts. And we found out that basically within the body of Christ, like in your own physical body, it said the foot might speak uh, to the hand and say, well, I'm not the hand, so I'm really, really not part of the body. It's a part feeling inferior to another part. I'm down here where nobody can see me, says the foot. This guy sticks me in a sock, crams me in a shoe. Nobody sees me. And look at the hand. The hand gets all the attention. When's the last time his wife held feet? No, we hold hands. Uh, he, when's the last time he bought me a watch? I mean, we could go down the list of things that the foot could feel inferior to the hand. But when it came down to it, would you rather lose your foot or would you rather lose your hand? immediately you start looking for a third alternative. I don't want either one of those. Well, what we come down to it is, even though one may be more visible than the other, when it comes down to importance, both are equal when it comes to importance and function. Then we found out the ear can speak to the eye. Same thing. The ear says, because I'm not the eye, I'm right around the corner, but yet the eye is more important. Why? Because it gets all the attention. This woman just pulls her hair down over me. When's the last time she washed back here, really clean back here? When's the last time her husband looked deep into her ear? He looks deep into her eye, but not into her ear. We could, I mean, the, think of the, all the things the ear could say because it's not as pretty as the eye. The ear is not the window to anything. The eye is considered the window to the soul. 
But again, you come down to it. Would you rather lose your hearing or would you rather lose your sight? Uh, wait a minute. I don't know. When it comes to function, both are equally important. When it comes to visibility, one's more visible than another. So it is the body of Christ. There are visible members. They stand in the pulpit. But then there's behind the scene ones that are greeters in church or, or ushers in church or they handle children or youth or something like that. And again, this is the different parts of the body of Christ. But it can be that a person back here behind the scenes can be jealous of the one in the pulpit going, he gets all the attention, she gets all the attention. And when it really comes down to it, God would not rather lose either one of you because you're equally important to him. That's the key to it. Now let's talk about the five pulpit offices. In the discussion of the offices in the body of Christ, there are really 12, not five. Most of us talk about the five offices in the body of Christ, but these are the visible ones. These are your eyes and these are your hands, the ones that are more visible in front of everybody. And sometimes we think that's all the offices there are. And oh, there's the ultra important guy speaking to us and we're just peons out here. God says, no, you're not. Every one of you have an office as far as I'm concerned, whether it's a visible office in the pulpit or a behind the scenes office in the congregation, he says, you're both equally important to me. So let's talk about the five pulpit offices to begin with. And again, there's five of these, but there's seven congregational offices. We'll talk about them next. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through 13, that Paul says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. The word vocation means calling or office. And he says here, the first thing is, I don't care what office you stand in, walk worthy of it. Put it up there high on a pedestal. Thank God for the, for the very privilege of being called by God for the very opportunities God brings to me and the fact that God thought enough of me to even give me an office and all of us have an office. But here's the five we're talking about that really stand in the pulpit. He says that you walk worthy of the vocation, the calling or the office with which you are called with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, that's the body of Christ, one spirit, that's one Holy Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling and the hope of our calling, we have one body, one spirit, one hope of our calling and the hope of our calling is the rapture of the church. We have one thing we are all looking forward to and on that day, whether you were dead and, and you've gone to be with the Lord in heaven or you're alive on this earth and at that point we will all receive a resurrection body at the same time. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse five says there's also one Lord. Notice verse four, there's one Holy Spirit. Verse five, there's one Lord. That's the Jesus Christ that we serve. One faith, one faith that brings us into relationship with one Lord. There's many levels of faith and faith used for different things, but there's one faith that makes us one body, puts us under one spirit, gives us one hope of our calling and gives us one Lord, which is Jesus Christ. And that's the one faith that takes for you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then it goes on to say one baptism. One baptism here is not baptism, it's water. It's the baptism of the new birth, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Verse six, one God. Notice this, verse four, one Holy Spirit. Verse five, one Jesus Christ, one Lord. And now in verse six, one God. And Father of every one of us that have put our faith in Christ, 
who is above everything, above all. I don't care what name you name, Buddha, Mohammed, whatever, he's above that. You talk about we worship the Son. Well, there's somebody above that. It's God the Father. He is above all, through all, and in you all. Notice this, he's part of all creation, but he's inside us who have been baptized into the body of Christ, who have joined Jesus Christ by one faith, and have joined the body of Christ and are under one spirit. So verse seven says again, to every one of us is given grace now, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Underline that word grace, because when Paul mentions grace in a context of offices, he's simply saying part of the grace of God is not just salvation, not just being part of the body of Christ and all that, but this one grace given to us is our calling. My calling is not something I work for, earned, and deserve. I stand in the office of a pastor and a teacher, love what I do, operate in some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's times I've been used in simple prophecy over ministers, and there's times I've had word of knowledge over people. But you know what? The main thing I operate in is the calling God's placed on my life. And that's why it says in verse seven, unto each one of us, the Greek says each, I know you're King James or others say every, but it's unto each individual one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. My office came as a gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of his grace. I didn't work for it, earn it, or deserve it. I discovered it one day, started moving into it, and began to pastor. Verse eight says, because of which he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He took those that were under the earth, found in the place called Abraham's bosom, under the earth where there is where they met in uh, paradise, it's also called. And he took those people. And when Jesus arose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he took all those Old Testament saints with him and brought them to heaven up there. But also this verse of scripture said he gave gifts to men. Those that were alive down here on the earth and those that accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and the gifts he gave are leadership gifts. And the gifts he gave are found in this verse of scripture. There's five of them, verse nine. Now he who ascended, that's Jesus Christ, what does it mean? But they also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. I want you to notice that uh, that he descended first in the lower parts of the earth. Then it goes on to say in verse 10, it says, and he who descended is the same also who ascended up far above all heavens that he might complete all things. Notice that both are plural. He went to the lower parts of the earth and then he also went into the upper heavens, plural. Jesus Christ left this earth, went up through the atmosphere, went up through outer space and ended up in what the Bible calls the third heaven. And this is where God the Father is. He said, I was taken up there at one time. Uh, that's what Paul said. But Jesus Christ ascended up into that. And now he's seated in the third heaven, right beside God the Father on the throne next to him. And then it says, but here's what he gave. On the way up, as he left, he gave gifts unto men. And these are leadership gifts. There's five of them. He gave some apostles. Underline the word some if you can. If you have an underlinable Bible, underline the word some. If you can accent it or color it in with your eye pad or whatever, underline that. And that is he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why do I emphasize that? Because not everyone stands in these office. He kept hitting some, 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 some. And I would, I would venture to say that probably only a small portion of the entire body of Christ stands in these five offices. In other words, if everybody stood in these offices, there would be no congregations left to preach to. We would all be standing there in a pulpit with an empty auditorium or an empty room. So that the, what he has given is those 
those who represent Jesus Christ in these five offices. And notice that's brought up by the word some in front of each of these words. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. I want you to notice on the next two words, they're combined together and some pastors and teachers. We're gonna emphasize this when we come back after the break and that you may be a pastor, but you can't be a pastor without being a teacher. You can be a teacher without being a pastor, but every pastor is supposed to be a teacher. And so there's really two gifts here, two offices, but they're combined together as one in this verse of scripture. If you're called a pastor, you're supposed to be a teacher. When we come back from the break, we're gonna be talking more about this. In fact, the break here coming up, uh, they're gonna tell you about what you can get, the offer for all these things and what I'm teaching are gonna be brought out here. And literally, I want you to take this and what you're learning from the broadcast. You can learn even more in your car, plug it into your car, uh, listen to it in your car, or else listen to it in your house when you have a break and can, can do that. But you can stop it and meditate on it and look at it in scripture in the word of God. This is why I give you these offers because it's, important that you continue in the Word of God. I'll see you right after halftime. In Romans eleven twenty nine, we are told, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Many believers focus on the very last part of this verse, but it also teaches us that God works both the gifts and the callings together in each believer's life. We are living in a day when God wants every believer to find their place in the body of Christ. This five-lesson series from Pastor Bob Yandian will help increase your understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fivefold ministry gifts, the body gifts, and how each of these gifts operate together to accomplish God's will in the earth. This powerful teaching series will help you discover your callings and find your place in the body of Christ. To order the gifts and callings of God, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. In verse 10, again, what's brought out is when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father, he completed all things. Honestly, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was not referring to the plan of salvation. He was referring to the law. 
all the law, the sacrifices, everything he was supposed to keep and honor, he did. But literally the plan of salvation wasn't complete until Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's why he sat down, everything was done. Why did God the Father sit down after seven days of creation and on the seventh day he rested and sat? Well, this is what happened with Jesus. After Jesus came, and finished everything he was supposed to finish on the cross, it still wasn't complete yet. And the plan of redemption wasn't complete till Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. And what happened? He gave gifts to men. And on the way up, one of the last things he did before he sat at the right hand of the Father was he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. There's five of them. But I want to go back and point out again something important. He gave some apostles. What does that mean? Then there's a whole lot of them that are not apostles. Well, he gave some prophets. That means there's a whole lot of people that aren't prophets. He gave some evangelists. Well, that means there's a whole lot of people that are not evangelists. And then finally, he gave some that are pastors and teachers. There is no more some in front of teachers because what this is doing is combining these two offices together that you cannot be a pastor without being a teacher, but you can be a teacher without being a pastor. There is a separate office of teacher and that's found in the word of God. And these five offices are literally not something you start in. We're gonna take up seven other offices where you begin. But again, in these, those that you begin in, these are parts that are not seen that often, but this is the place where you always begin. I think of chapter six of Acts, whenever the uh, seven men were chosen out of the church to uh, help watch over the uh, widows of the church, the finances of the widows, the and the handing out of the food. This is kind of grunt work. I mean, this is not something where you need a huge anointing and it occupies a lot of prayer time and all that. No, it's just getting to work. This is where you prove yourself. These men weren't paid. Oftentimes, I mean, I mean, when I pastored, I had people come and want to join the music department and they say, how much do you pay? I said, we don't. And they got upset. They said, well, I can go out and play in some orchestra somewhere in town. I said, I know that. But working for Jesus and honoring Jesus and praise and worship is a different, different altogether. And on top of that, if you've got a lifelong call into Christian worship, then you begin here by just volunteering. And the body of Christ is built on volunteers. And that's what we come back to. This is what they were when they were chosen in Acts chapter six as deacons. Deacons is grunt work. And so this again comes back to the fact that you're not in a five-fold position. But no five-fold office ever begin without, without grunt work, without just finding something to do. You know, you want to get into the five-fold ministry. I had a, a young man come to me one time attending Rhema. Rhema had just begun. It was in September, and he came to our church on a midweek night, on a Wednesday night, and came up after us. That was really good teaching. He says, I'm called into, into pastoring. I said, well, that's wonderful. And I said, that's great. I can vouch for the ministry. And he said, well, that's great. And he just kept standing there nodding. And I thought, I'm missing something here. He said, I said, well, is there something I'm missing? He said, yes. When can I preach from behind your pulpit? And I said, when will you help with the children? I'm not, I'm not going to help with children. I said, when are you going to sweep the floors? I'm not going to do that. Nobody begins the pulpit. Nobody begins in the pulpit. Jesus didn't begin the pulpit. He was 30 years in preparation and he just went from place to place. They found him in the temple one day talking with the leadership and Jesus helped his father probably in the carpentry business. He just did things until finally one day after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he started his public ministry. It simply comes back to this. There's a proving time. 
And that proving time comes from volunteering. And so these volunteer positions that we're going to talk about found in Romans chapter 12, there's seven of them, are where we begin. You don't begin in the pulpit. You begin by greeting at the front door. You begin by ushering in the church, volunteering your time, being faithful to do so, loving people, showing them the love of Jesus. One of the greatest women that we had at our church during the years I was there was a greeter at the front door. And you think, well, what do you do? Just say hi to people, not this woman. She took it seriously. People would walk through the front door and she said, hello, are you here for the first time today? And somebody might say, yes. And she says, you're not here by accident. God's brought you here. Something in this service is gonna change your life. She built the anticipation of people up so much that, I mean, a smile came on that many of them came in and they just looked like, eh, I'm here for any other church. I've been to every other church. She let them know that God had a plan for them of attending our church that day. That's where it begins. And that's how a person ends up in the full-time ministry, five-fold ministry behind a pulpit somewhere, if you're called to it. But you don't start there. You start in a less visible position before God finally moves you to a more visible position because by then you're capable of handling it. You've had enough down here to where you've worked with people behind the scenes, maybe worked with irate parents taking care of the children, worked with the youth department, worked in the counseling department, Department, been told off by people, you learn to weather those types of things, then one day God says you're ready to handle the ministry and God places you there. But of course, even there, there's a growing process. It's a continual growing process. So verse 12 says, what are we there for? We are there for the, the fivefold ministry, the five ones behind the pulpit. They are there for the perfecting and the Greek word means equipping of the saints. They're there to equip the saints. They've got the equipment that God has trusted with them, but they take that equipment and give it to them through your preaching, through your teaching, through your work, through your missions work, through your evangelistic work, that whatever office you stand in, you are equipping people for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice this, those who stand in the fivefold offices that, that stand behind the pulpit are there to equip the saints to go do the work of the ministry. <gasps> Understand this, it's not just up to the pastor. Yes, he does and goes and visits people in hospitals. Of course he does, but we sometimes expect that. But also you're supposed to do that. Notice he's up there perfecting saints so that they can go do the work of the ministry. This isn't saying he's excluded or others that are in the fivefold ministry are excluded. No, what this is saying is he's equipping you to go do it. And as you start getting faithful to go do it, even though you're not paid, you're not on some position in the church, you just get part of the group in the church that goes and visits people in, in prisons, goes and visits people in nursing homes, and goes and visits people in hospitals. You're faithful to do it. And as you are faithful to do it, God begins to look at that and begins to rack up a score in your life and says, I think they're getting being close to being called into a five-fold ministry. I knew from a young age I was called into the ministry, but didn't know what it was. And whenever God spoke to me as a junior in Oklahoma State University, in that dorm room that day when he spoke to me, I knew it was coming. He says, I've called you to be a teacher in the body of Christ. Well, I didn't begin as a teacher. I, did, I, I later on found out what the fivefold ministry of a teacher was. It wasn't until Kenneth Hagin laid hands on me and, and actually he, my wife and I were there during this meeting. He laid hands on us and prophesied over us and uh, ordained us into the ministry and said, you now stand in the office of a, of a teacher. I thought, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was an office of a teacher. I just thought a teacher was a teacher. 
I just started out and I taught Sunday school class. I taught an evening class at the school and I taught an evening class at the church, began to start teaching at Raymond Bible Training Center in a small portion, which grew over four years. Again, all these things were things that God entrusted me with, but it didn't start out that. It started out with me just doing whatever my hand could find to do. My wife and I helped set up, uh, our church was portable for five years. So we helped set up baby cribs. We helped set up chairs, all the different things we did. Because why? We love Jesus, love the church, and that's exactly what we wanted to do. Again, you have these fivefold ministries. We call them the fivefold. I don't even know where the word fold comes from, but there are five ministries, five leadership positions. And what I do again is call them, these are the pulpit ministries. They stand behind a lectern. They stand behind a pulpit. They stand in a teaching position. And whether that teaching position is in a church service or else it's in the evangelistic meeting or whatever it may be, those are called into leadership positions in the body of Christ, which tells us something. There has to be a following ministry because you don't have leaders without followers. And there's always, more followers than there are leaders. You have one guy up here preaching, you might have 40 or 50 people, might have four or 500, you might have four or 5,000 attending a church. But the point of it is you always have more in a following position than you do in a leading position. So now let's go back and find out those that are in a following position. And we're going to call these the congregational offices. Every believer stands in an office. From the moment that you are born, there's an office placed inside of you if you're going to become a Christian. God knows who those that are going to receive him are. And even as Paul said, in my mother's womb, there was a calling placed on my life. And Paul didn't find it till later in life, but it was there all the time. And so if, if you're going to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, God has a calling he's placed in you. It's woven into the fabric of your being. And the best thing to do is constantly work around the church, do whatever you can do, work in some form of ministry, do whatever you can do as far as helping people in those areas and listen, always stay open for God to show you which area you're going to begin in. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to talk about the congregational offices. There are different titles that have been given to these that are there, but I call them the congregational offices. We have those in the pulpit preaching to those in the congregation and literally this one up here with his office or her office is helping to feed the office that's inside of us. And we walk out. If it's a pastor, we walk out with a little bit of understanding of a pastor. If it's just a straight teacher, we walk out with understanding of a teacher. If it's an evangelist, we walk out with an understanding of being an evangelist. And again, with all the different ones that are there, missions work, we understand more about the missions work and all these different things, apostolic work. But again, those five are the ones who that God has placed there in leadership position over us. But they are literally, they're not, they're not people who have offices teaching people who don't have offices. No, they are offices here, instructing offices here. These are the visible these are the less visible out here. We might be the foot looking at the hand. We may be the, the ear looking at the eye. But again, these have more of a visible position. But proving yourself where you are is how God can begin to increase and literally promote you into another ministry. Romans chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Paul says here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, Paul here is speaking from his office. We pointed this out back there in the previous verses we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
and now here in this verse of scripture also, and in Ephesians, he says, I say through the grace given to me, to every man who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, all the members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us. Back there earlier, Paul said, I'm speaking through the grace given to me, but now I'm speaking to the grace given to you. It's my office speaking to your office, my ministry speaking to your office, and he now gives them. According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Prophecy. Ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Teaching, then wait on your teaching. Exhortation, on and it says, he who gives, let him do it with simplicity. We now have an exhorter, we now have a giver, and then we have rulers. Finally, the last one, he says, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. When we come back, we'll take up from there again and talk about that and talk about the different offices in the body of Christ. And perhaps through this, you can find yourself. We'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.